It's Monday, October 26th, and we have the most recent chef in Richmond on Chopped, a little bit of the past, and Scott buys bourbon. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Hello and welcome to Eat It, Virginia, voted second best podcast in the city of Richmond by the readers of Richmond Magazine. Soon to be Virginia. Soon to be Virginia. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Roby, the sound for this podcast is going to be impeccable. I know. We are back together again, um, sitting across from each other, which is nice. Spaced social distance-y. Is that a thing? Distantly? Distance-y. Sure. I think it's distant. We can go with that. Yeah. Everyone's making up their own words these days. Why wouldn't we? There's a cat crawling across this table. That's so if our he, new podcast hosts. Um. I have a great view of the cat at the moment. So if you our do. audio goes out suddenly, it's probably because the cat had his booty in your tripped, uh, tripped one of the wires. Lots going on in Richmond, Scott. Lots well, of food stuff. So much food stuff. But the biggest news, I think, is that we have a new YouTube channel. We do. That's huge news. And I have posted so many embarrassing videos of Roby. For those of you guys who are new to the podcast, uh, we started as a Facebook Live operation where Roby would go around town interviewing the latest chefs and new restaurateurs. And I was behind the camera holding my iPhone. Literally tens of thousands of people would watch these Facebook Lives and I would make it a point to pick the most embarrassing photo of Roby to use as what we call the featured image on Facebook. And so Ugh. those featured images are now prominently displayed on our new Eat It Virginia YouTube page. Like 93% of them, Scott. I have my mouth open and my forehead directly in the camera. The photo don't lie. It's really... <laughs> That's how you live your life, really. I mean, oh, it's man. not unusual. Oh, um, man. Okay, moving on. Somebody had a baby and you took them bourbon. Somebody had a baby and I took them bourbon. Yeah, our good friend Mike Lindsay, who was our first, well, he didn't have the baby. <laughs> no, his, no. His lovely wife, Kimberly, had a baby. Yes. Um, but I think Mike was involved somehow. It's kind of something that that's the that rumor. Yeah, that's, that's the r- word on the street. Birds and bees. Anyway, yeah, so uh, he being our first podcast guest ever, uh, episode 001, Michael Lindsay, I figured I should celebrate his new arrival. And so, yes, uh, checked his Instagram to see what kind of bourbon he was missing out on. We've got, we got him a bottle courtesy of the podcast, and uh, I expensed that, by the way. Thanks. That's, that's, that's coming out of your credit card bill. It happens. And uh, yeah, uh, dropped it off at his home and left a nice card for uh, he, his wife, and his, and his new child. So I'm about to embarrass you a little bit here. Okay. So I, I always say this. A lot of you guys don't realize how sensitive Scott is because he's kind of quiet, and it's actually really, really great. So he worries behind the scenes about a lot of things. And when he came over today, he was telling me how he took this bottle of bourbon over to the Lindsay household and he thought that they had had a girl. (laughs) And well, what did we learn, Scott? Well, they had a boy, (laughs) Tristan or Tristane. I don't know how you're, I'm assuming it's Tristan. If I get that wrong. Add it to my list of things I'm getting wrong with your family, Mike. But uh, <laughs> congratulations to yeah. that, and for the new restaurant. And that's why, yeah, a female's name was in my head because 
their new restaurant is Lily Pearl. Very A beautiful cool. name. I think I read it was named after his grandmother. I think so. Yeah, which is cool. So, you know, in my defense, like there was a female name floating around along with these baby pictures floating around. So it got uh, conflated in my mind. Well, conflation is over, and the location of this new restaurant is in the old pasture, correct? The Off old, of Great yeah. Grace, Grace Street. I love that little strip of restaurants. I really hope one of these days we can get back to sort of normal and mm-hmm. just be out there again. couple other things. We've got the Beat Box, which opened in Cary Street, which is a juice bar, which is kind of neat. I know. Come on. It's um right next to... Redefine. I mean, like this. It's in very cool area, twenty six hundred block of Cary, which is kind of cool. And that's going to be juices and wellness shots, all things you could use right now. Um, Common House opens. Ah, uh, yes, I saw on your Instagram stories that you got a little tour of the new place with our friend Chauncey Jenkins. Oh yeah, I love that guy. Brian McClure's there too. Michael Smith is helming as you and I chatted. It's like a podcast reunion. It is. Michael I- Smith was on an episode earlier this year. We've had Chauncey on. Uh, we gotta let you gotta love those guys. So what's it like in there? Give me a little four one one. Are very posh. It's very leather centric. Um, looks comfortable. Seems very genuine and open. And Brian McClure, who's was at La Mer, is heading up the kitchen. So, I mean, the downstairs open to the public bar is going to be oysters and roasted coffee and all that fun stuff. So yeah, looks good. I heard a rumor that they have a podcast studio. Yes, they do. Hmm. So, if only we knew someone with a podcast. I don't know anyone, which is really sad. But I'll t- when we come up with someone who has a podcast, we'll refer them over to the Common House. Yeah. Are you okay. listening, Common House, for this free plug? Are you listening, <laughs> Common House? <laughs> um. What else do we have? Crusty uh, Crab opening. Jingle Bell is coming up, which is the Christmas slash. Kwanzaa pop-up at Bell. Is it Hanukkah too or no? Are you just going to skip over Hanukkah? Well, we, get, we skip over anything that deals with you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all I know is it's uh, Hanukkah, Christmas, and Kwanzaa. Yes. Jeez. And I know. 2020, and I'm still fighting for this. <laughs> I don't think you're the only I mean, I was one. <laughs> in third grade, I had to sing the Christmas. All right, sorry. This is a different podcast topic. Yes. Continue. Is. Oh, we got a new food hall. I read about that down in Manchester. Yeah. Our friends from the Hatch Kitchen. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it's not going to open up anytime soon, right? It's, I think it's 2021. Oh, it's a long way off, but right. it'll be our first food hall, which is really neat. And it was supposed to be, not this one, but we were supposed to have our first food hall in Scott's edition, but obviously COVID had other ideas. True. So hopefully this will be... Now remind me, and again, this is going to sound lame of me, but the difference between a food hall and a food court, which we have millions of and have known forever. Alcohol. All right, that works. That's a pretty big difference, I would say. Yes. Um, I doubt that's probably what they would say the difference is, but in my head, that's exactly I mean, the Sbarro pizza is, you know. It's probably great with a beer, but how would you know? I wouldn't. (laughs) Ah, something else cool, Scott. Lay it on me. So I feel like this is our year for chopped contestants. Our year for it? Yeah, yours and mine. No, (laughs) like the chef's. I love that show, by the way. Do you really? Back when I had cable, I used to watch that all the time. You don't watch it like streaming now? I do, not so much. I mean, I watched it this week because obviously one of our friends was on it. Yes. Shane Roberts Thomas. Yes. The owner and chef of Southern Kitchen and Jackson Ward, who we had on the podcast in February after she appeared on Gordon Ramsay's show. Uh, she appeared on our podcast to talk about her time with Gordon 
And this week, I caught up with her to talk about her time on Chopped and life during COVID-19. The last time you and I spoke um, was in February. Mm. Um, you came to Channel 6 and we talked about the excitement of Gordon Ramsay visiting your restaurant and how busy you guys have been since uh, that moment. Um, yes. What has happened since Gordon Ramsay's visit? Oh my gosh, the world changed very shortly thereafter. Um, once Gordon Ramsay left, we did see a tremendous increase in business. What he promised, he delivered on that once he left and touched the restaurant, you know, we would become immediately, you know, busy with uh, his, his whole universe of people that love him so much. So we were excited. And, you know, again, I'll use the word, we were excited and delighted to be a part of such a special team. So right when that happened, then COVID hit. And so I didn't, it was a short-lived uh, moment of elation, I guess you would say. So right after that, it all kind of went downhill. <laughs> and I, I want to talk about that for a couple minutes before we get into this next new uh, announcement you want to make. But, sure, uh, sure. So Gordon Ramsay was mid-February, mid-March was COVID. Uh, how yes. quickly did you guys shut down and how quickly did you guys try to get reopened? We shut down immediately as soon as it was announced that we needed to shut down. We shut down on March 17th, um, to be exact. Um, I was very quick to close the doors because it was something that was uh, noted as such a uh, very difficult thing to get rid of and people were dying from it. I didn't want to take any responsibility over a person's health. So I quickly shut the doors. Um, we never reopened for phase one, two, or three. We did curbside to go for several months. We just got open <laughs> two weeks ago. Thank you. So um, we suffered a lot trying to maintain because we had just did a build out. <laughs> we had just invested in that building. And um, to go from a packed house to just people picking up food on the side of the curb, certainly was not enough income to substantiate the amount of square footage and the overhead for that building. And so we've just been maintaining and reinventing ourselves. You know, we had to do a big, I felt like Albert Einstein, you know, I'm like, I've got to reinvent this whole thing I learned to love, which was fine dining and ambiance and music and, you know, just good times. I had to learn to get away from that and to just become more like a, drive through service you know you drive up you get your food you get a smile and you're done <laughs> so, so what about so what has been the hardest part then um, of the last few months for you knowing that you're the type of person that's outgoing and, and likes to be big hugs and yes that's you yeah it is it's sincerely me some people i feed off of other people's energy so i enjoy it's sort of like at your grandma's house i used to explain it about my restaurant but it you know it's sort of like for all of us in the restaurant industry i don't just want to make this about southern kitchen today i want to make this about the whole industry in effect because if you're a member of this team right now you sometimes want to get off of it you know what i mean so it's just been just a just a very difficult time financially, emotionally. Um, 
being able to understand all of the paperwork you need and loans and PPP and SBA and EIDL and no one there really to guide you or to provide you with all of the resources that you could use. Um, also, I think that we had a breakdown of communication from the government supporting us. Um, you know, I, we are certainly uh, employees of a very difficult time. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, me, myself, my customers had become like family to me. So those that I who were doing curbside, I lost some of them sure. to COVID-19. Mm. So imagine if you've had a customer for seven years and you were told by their children, my mom passed away from COVID. So it, it, it was like, you know, you're, you're functioning in a dysfunctional relationship. You ever been, you heard of that? Like, it's almost like, because you're married to your restaurant. Everybody will tell you that about this business. We marry our restaurant. So now you're married to a dysfunctional person. <laughs> you know, that first, they were almost functional. You got them there, you know. Your therapy for them was going good, and now it's a dysfunctional relationship. You don't know how to cure it. So I just want to say that, that in this, it's a, I'm a part of this team now. You know, we're a team in this. It's no, it's no iron team, unfortunately. It's we. So you, you mentioned that there wasn't a lot of um, help from the government in terms of like guidance. Is that getting better? And what have you been using to, to stay afloat from, from assistance wise? Um, we've been maxing our credit cards. <laughs> we've been um, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, we all are working in the restaurant. My family, again, as you saw, Gordon Ramsay, um, couple of my employees came back, you know, with the unemployment relief, I could no, nowhere near meet that kind of money for them. I just, I just couldn't do it. And I wouldn't tell anyone to come back and work for me for pennies on a dollar if you can stay at home, you know, and you can take care of your rent and things. So I understood that, you know, I didn't like it, but I understood it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't sit on this you know, and lie to you on camera. Oh, Scott, that was great. No, it wasn't. I think it should have been an incentive to get them back to work. You know what I'm saying? A program to get them back to work. And I also think that um, we didn't get a voice on any of this. Like I see the stewardess and the airlines getting a voice. Where is the restaurant industry's voice? We literally, the restaurant scene in Richmond was on a natural high. I mean, it was booming. You know what I mean? Sure. We got all kinds of lists of restaurants. I was on, we, we Gordon Ramsay's in town, you know. So it became a phenomenon to come to Richmond to eat. We sort of had become like the foodie town, you know what I'm saying? So where is our voices? Where's Virginia's voice of restaurants? What are we accomplishing for each other right now to help each other through this? My community is strong. They have kept Little Southern Kitchen alive. They won't let me die. They would drive up sometimes and they would say, you're not going nowhere. We're going to make sure of that. You're not going nowhere. I said, okay. They would come back, give me money, $100, a car with $400 in it, send flowers to me. So my community got involved in keeping Southern Kitchen alive. Because even though we weren't making a lot of profit, we were able to stay alive through this. And you know, that takes a lot of people for that restaurant to do curbside to go and to the magnitude of who I need to come in there. It has been amazing, the community outpouring of love for this little small person in the restaurant. To this point, has anybody from the city stopped by to, to check, to ask, to inquire, to, to make sure that you're doing okay? Not yet, but the city has reached out to me on a verbal, you know, congratulations and um, I would have to say that the city has been better than the state and the government, you know, the, the big boys. The city has supported as much as they could, you know, through this difficult time. So I would say the city hasn't been 
um, the bad guy at this point. You know what I'm saying? They've done their very best to reach out to Southern Kitchen and ask, you know, do you need something right now? Are you okay with you know, your, your, your position in the city right now? So they, they at least reached out. It's about a helping hand right now. It needs to be a restaurant task force hired to go to individual restaurants to sit down with owners and to say, we're here for you because we're other restaurant owners and we, we hear you. Let me show you what's working for me. You know, let me help you to implement some things. Let me show you how you can get gloves when they're out of stock. Let me help you. If I have an extra set of gloves, I can give it to you. You know, if I have some extra hand sanitizer, I can loan it to you. Give it back to me when you get something, you know? Uh, you know, it, it is challenging times. We all do have families and we all do have problems. But, you know, how good would it be to just talk to another restaurant owner sometimes and feel their pain and let them prowl on your shoulder or prowl on their shoulder? Because nobody really understands it. Sometimes I'm riding my car talking to myself, you know, like, oh, God, is this going to work tomorrow? You know, you know, I, I don't have gloves. I'm going to go to a beauty supply store and beg them to sell me some, you know. So it's like we need. You need that mental outlet sometimes. Have you been able to do that at all yet, to, to reach out to a smaller restaurant or someone that's trying to get where you're at now? Well, they reached out to me, you know, and I've, helped, I've offered all the help I could. You know, some people, they have food trucks. Uh, um, we, we network with uh, uh, Mama J's, and Lester and I have been networking. So exciting news. Exciting news. Exciting news. After, exciting. after a few weeks off of national TV, you're going back on national TV? I believe when we spoke in February. Hey, what can I say? You know, it's got to be the first. <laughs> yeah. I believe when we spoke in February, you had you were hinting about this, right? You, mm -hmm. you recorded this before February, I'm mm -hmm. guessing. You yeah, hinted that this was on the horizon. Mm -hmm. so give us the big announcement. So in December, I went to Times Square in New York, and I filmed for Food TV Shop. When you pull the basket open, you get four ingredients, you got 20 minutes, you got judges, you're running all around the chopped kitchen, you're trying to figure it out in just a little bit of time. So, whoa, when I got the phone call from them to say, we'd like you to be on Chopped, I'm like, what? Is this like, you guys gotta be kidding me. And then came Gordon Ramsay after that, but I was like, what are you talking about? You want me to be on Chopped? You got a good agent. <laughs> Where is he going? I don't know, but he's good. He or she is good, whoever it is. So I know I'm gonna tell you what it is, but I don't wanna mm -hmm. I know the restaurant industry is a uh, is a uh, super packed with pressure. Have you had you ever felt pressure in the kitchen like you felt on chopped? Scott, you know the answer is no. That was like, if you put me in a pressure cooker and you turned it down real hard and then you turned it all the way up. That wouldn't even be able to describe the pre to, to tell you the pressure I was under for that time period. I mean, it was like somebody placed you in something that's unreal. Like, are you kidding me? You want me to do this in how much time? <laughs> now, are you a fan of the show? I, I, my, but this is not a lot of you. I have watched food TV for probably the last 20 years. I am a food TV guru. I can tell you every host every person on there i can tell you what they if they if they didn't do it right if they did do it right i've been watching it for 20 years i'm going to be on there soon why can i tell you i have my own show you're a huge fan of the show like i know when i meet a celebrity that i'm a fan of i kind of i'm living like outside my body for a second and i don't know what to say i'm kind of stuttering through it 
How long did it take you to adjust? Like, how much time did they give you to adjust? And how long did it take you to adjust to like, oh, there's the guy, there's the host, there's the famous chef. So let me say this to you. Everything that you see on TV is the exact way it is. You don't know. It's a secret. You go to a secret location. And you almost feel compelled never to tell the secret. You know how you see nobody ever really tells what goes on behind the scenes? You wouldn't do that because if you're a chef and you know that they gave you that shot, you would that's a that's a part of like a loyal club. You know, you don't give up your loyal club secrets. You know what I'm saying? So the adrenaline was rushing from beginning to end. Like I never got used to it, you know, because I'm such a huge fan of the show. And I've been watching it since its since its beginning, since the right. start of it, you know, it's grown a lot. What was the biggest surprise for you? Oh my the basket. The basket. <laughs> you have no idea what's in the basket. They don't give you a heads up at all. And what was in the basket? I can't tell you yet. They won't let me release touch on me. Oh, man. After tonight, I know. Yes, well, I, I can't tell you this. Oh, please. I'm going to give you, let me give Fill you all this. the beans. That's, you know, Scott, you have me on your show, so I got to give you something. What was in that basket? Mm hmm. Not the right thing to give to anybody ever. Oh, no. <laughs> well, hopefully the other contestants felt the same way. Oh, they did. Okay, good. They did. <laughs> you know, you'd be cooking animals and, you know, <laughs> birds. And, you know, you're like, whoa. It wasn't Southern no. Kitchen style fried chicken? No, Scott, this one, no chicken. I'm going to tell you, there ain't no chicken involved. I wish you the best of luck on the show, even though it's months ago. Hopefully you uh, bring home the big prize, and if not, at least you'll embarrass yourself. Hey, listen, listen, it was a, like I told everyone before I went, it's a prize to be on there. You, <laughs> know? you didn't cut what? yourself, did you? That's a part that's- No! I'm an, an experienced chef here, Scott. <laughs> I mean, I'm not cutting myself at this point. Now, hey, falling or, you know, making something wrong, yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to be on it cut myself. I can't embarrass Virginia like that. That's rich. You're too much. You're too much, Shane. You're too much. <laughs> oh, good. I love the fire, by the way. Oh, thank you. Very cozy. <laughs> cozy this, this is my home for my whole family. We all. All live together. My mom, my dad, my children. Beautiful. You know, hope everyone's healthy, and I hope excited. you guys are able to. To uh, Scott, but you know you're look you're looking very casual lately, so you must be okay because you're like you're like I'm the casual. I, I I follow you. I follow you. Terrible. So this is not a, like some people will be on here talking. To you don't know nothing you're doing. I follow you. Mm. So okay. I saw your I saw your before COVID picture the other day, and now yeah, yeah. That before COVID picture was when we last saw each other. That was like February, and then I had my haircut. Scott, Scott, I'm with you. You see how I'm looking right now? This is not the norm. Oh, you're gorgeous! Stop it! Stop it! I'm not gonna hear that. I just wanted to tell you I'm following you, man. I follow you too. Enjoy your rest of your day, and good luck with everything. We'll talk Thank to you. Soon. That woman brings the energy wherever she goes. Do you think she, she's like a walking powder keg? <laughs> like you just never know. Do you remember for the last time we talked to her, she, talk, she called herself the Tasmanian devil. I'm a Tasmanian yes. devil. Do you always picture Warner Brothers cartoons? What is that one, that alien with the... Um, Marvin the Martian. Yeah, that's always carrying the bomb. Yes. Yes, that's what I see in my head. Why? I don't know, because she called herself the Tasmanian devil, and I just think at any second that bomb's going to go off. So wait, she calls herself the Tasmanian devil. And I see. And Marvin you picture the Marvin the Martian. I don't know. It makes total sense. Yeah, in my head, it connects. So the video of, of Shane, uh, we interviewed her over Zoom. The video, which you 
couldn't see on this podcast, obviously, I will put on YouTube. She's sitting in her living room. There's a nice roaring fire behind her. She's dressed to the nines. Meanwhile, I'm in my, I'm in my dining room with my hat turned backwards. I haven't shaven in weeks. <laughs> haven't shaved in weeks. Shaven. He's, we've lost all ability <laughs> for vocabulary around here. My guys. hair is down to my shoulders. I'm a, I'm a slob. And I should check. She actually made a comment. I don't, I don't know if I caught it on uh, the recording or not. She asked you if you were homeless? She said, you look casual. <laughs> oh, casual. <laughs> I was like, busted. <laughs> well, you look great, Shane. So she did. That. And she's awesome. And we love Shane. And, you know, we love seeing anybody from Richmond represented on these national shows. We think we have possibly another podcast guest who's going to be making we have a national info TV that we appearance. do we definitely do but this episode's called fries and thighs right one with Shane yeah. it was called fries and thighs mm-hmm. that's right or yep and i think that that's a fun thing that you can see i think it came out this past week and so you can it watch did it. and you know they they replay them all the time sure. so just um, recently they replayed Britney's. I, did i tell you she's got some she, she looks so great on television. She's just made for it. Hopefully she'll get her own show too. Everyone should get their own show. Like Oprah, you get a show and you get a show. We're giving them away over here. Yeah, we don't have the sure. ability to, but you can have them. Roby, you mm-hmm. just got back from vacation land. I did. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really. you haven't, so for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for the last few months, in the beginning of the virus and the pandemic, and I'm, I'm probably up until this moment, um, you've been taking things pretty cautiously. Yep. And so I wanted to ask you about that and traveling out of state and how um, how it went. So weirdly, uh, we got our Ryan, my other half, um, and I. We got COVID tests before we went on. But just based on what state regulations, we actually were not ever asked to show them, but we did the drive through negative, all of that stuff, yada, yada, yada. And we drove to Maine and picked the states to stay in because, you know, the drive to Maine is like 12 and a half hours. It's pretty freaking long. Um, so we stayed in one place on the way and one place on the way back and chose where we stayed based on state numbers, which seems wild to say out loud, but it's what we did. Um, we tried to be as safe as possible. I mean, we even did like a, while we were in Maine, which has, has relatively low numbers, which is amazing. I think they're the second lowest. In Not the a nation. lot of people in Maine either. True. But even then, like their, their, the overt strictness of what they have going on. You could feel it. You could feel a difference. 100%. So what were some of the things that you experienced? So we did a lobster. We lobstered with some lobstermen on a lobster boat because I really wanted to see the process of how that works. You used do, the word lobster three times in one sentence. That was impressive. That was hella impressive. Because it's a verb. There, it's all like it's all the things. So I've been <laughs> I've been with crab. I've crabbed. I've done a bunch of different things on boats, and I was like really interested to see how that worked. Everybody on the lobster boat. There were four of us. We were masked the entire time, even though we were outside. Um. Every, they are only limiting certain amount of people even in the retail establishments. So like if you have a large retail establishment, you're only allowed to have five to seven people in there at once. So what people, would you consider a large retail establishment? Uh, not, for, not like a big box store. Yeah, well, for example, I'll use, maybe people are familiar with the anthropology at Stony Point. No free plugs, Roby. Sorry. No but free it, plugs. But it is a very frequently people go to it. It's been around for 16 years. Um, so that size of a space, 
they would only allow 10 people in at once. And individuals that would like to get in it or to go in there, wait on their own. There's no policing for somebody to come out so they can go in. Well, I will say in college, I you know, went to school up north, and so I met a lot of people from Maine. My first two college roommates were both from Maine, and they are, they are some of the nicest people up there. Well, it was re- I mean, it was really great to see. Yeah. I mean, and they have the restaurants, I'm, I'm certain, probably already had the heaters and stuff because of how chilly it gets, but their outdoor eating game is so tight. Like, I truly... Like, even the servers are dressed well. Um, most of the servers are wearing masks and shields. Wow. Were you in, like, Portland, the big city, or a smaller town? We were in Camden. Now, we drove through Portland and Rockport and all of those places, but didn't stop because we figured we'd limit the amount of places that we ended up stopping, physically stopping. We drove through them, looked at stuff, did some hiking, that type of thing, but we didn't stop and sit down and hang out that wasn't, like, outdoors on a log in front of a stream a whole ton. You know what? Speaking of past, so I appreciate you asking me about how things are going with then and now, being that it's been, what, 220 days that we've been currently? Give or take 4,000. Yep, 900 years. We do have, um, from before panda times... <laughs> uh, um, panda times, I like that. <laughs> yeah, before panda times, we have James Kohler. James Kohler from... Which, yeah, from Brenner Pass and Chairlift. He's the co-owner and beverage director. And I know that they're still plugging along over there. And I think that this would, this interview, he's just so positive and cheerful. I feel like we should play that. What do you think? This is back from January or February we spoke to James. So his, our, our attitude and our tone and his attitude and his tone are going to be a little different, perhaps, than what you're used to. Yeah, I used to, I had, years ago, I had like a, a podcast with... Uh, two buddies of mine it was like a it was about video games but you know it's fine something so. i didn't know about <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Like, you're a gamer yeah oh yeah oh i didn't see that coming yeah it drives audi nuts but it yeah it's something that i've done like forever do you you still oh, are yeah. pretty like uh-huh. and like okay so for someone who is completely ignorant when it comes to like i still make the this is how ignorant I still make the controller jump sure. with the Mario yeah. brother. Yeah, because I'm incapable. So I'm learning about the fact that James is a gamer. Yeah. And I want to know what is like. Okay, so I had to buy a PlayStation X card for my nephew. Do you know what that is? No. It's like, is it X or one? Oh, maybe Xbox X? Xbox X? Is yeah, that what it is? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just know that there's like a mil- Is that the type of gaming you do? That's like a. That's like the console, right? Okay, so You I, play the games on. I'm in the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I. Yeah, I mean, I primarily. I just play on PlayStation right now, but I've what played on all. What do you play? Um, a lot of. Uh, like first-person shooters, I think is the number one thing that I probably play. So, as in, like Call uh, of Duty, like Call of Duty. Oh, whoa! Yeah, yeah. like Scott Wise, yeah, Call yeah, of Duty, stuff like that, like battle royale games, like uh, that are just like a like competitive shooters, basically. So maybe this is a way off on a tangent, but like, <laughs> yeah. is it like you see and you shoot them, and then there is graphic 
bloodiness. Um, it depends on the game, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Where are we going with this? <laughs> I don't know. Nothing. I just oh, love. Okay. The, I just love. I love the knowledge. These are things okay. that you don't know. So when we're talking, he feels trapped. Like so you're yeah, like, I am. I did. Like I, tra- I totally like trapped him in the corner here because now he's like, uh oh, where is she going to go? Like, is this similar to butchering an animal in the restaurant? No, Roby, it is not. Um. So we are with James Kohler, mm-hmm. as in like the faucet. Yes. That's the best way to pronounce it. Yeah. I always tell people like the toilets because then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. And you are one of the owners of Brenner Pass yes. slash Chairlift. Yes. Two separate entities, uh-huh. but housed kind of similarly yeah. together. Same, same, but different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you have been in the restaurant industry here in Richmond well, quite some time. Yeah, off and on for, jeez, uh, I see. I was already. I'm already on the ums and ums. You, that was what we started I, with. I we, was we did, My goal today was to limit how many times. I and say then he was telling me about his podcast, which I, was I about video games. So ago, that's so. how that works. A long time ago, you had one. Yeah, with a couple of buddies of mine. Nice. Um, yeah, and and you know we do this whole like two or three hour podcast and then it would take a week to edit to get all the ums and uhs and uhs uh, you know out so I feel your yeah. pain brother right. I feel your pain <laughs> yeah. so I was trying to limit that today but um, yeah I mean I started my first job in Richmond I, in, in the industry was at Mama Zoo I was a dishwasher for about a year and so that was while I was, in, uh, I was going to VCU at the time how long had Mama Zoo been open when you started there Jeez, well, it was in 2004, so I don't know. So not that yeah, long, I guess actually. Probably not that long. Yeah. So you, so with that, like, is is it true? Because I love Mama Zoo's, yeah. but is the is the mean server stuff true? Did you see a lot of it at the time when I was there? Yeah, it was wild there. It was that was that was probably the craziest job I've ever had. Let's hear just, a story. Just in just in general, you know, it's just like the. Yeah, the culture there was was pretty nuts at the time. So to, to call myself out, I've been so inebriated at Mama Zoo <laughs> that Ed sat me down yeah. with a hunk of Parmesan and sure. that hand crank, <laughs> and was like, "You're not leaving till you gra- till you grate this cheese <laughs> because you are incapable of walking to get a ride." Yeah. So you're like, no. "He's like, no." So give me a story because you're internally there. Ooh, um. <laughs> I'm trying to think how many of these stories I would want to tell probably on a podcast. Uh, it's been 20 years. Come on. The statute of limitations. <laughs> no names has run or out. faces. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you can change um, the names if you need to. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I, it, it was, I, I will say this. I think it's just, it is a, it was, it was very, cause it's always been super busy and I, and I, it's a, like a little manual dish pit where there's two people and basically on a triple sink together, just like crammed in there. Um, that they're cooking directly behind you and just like slamming pans around and everything like that. I remember I got like a crazy burn on my arm the first night from, uh, you know, the, the guy on saute, like just literally just tossing the pan back behind me and just like hit my arm. And I'm like, Oh my God. Cause I, you know, I'd never done this before. And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, just move faster. You'll be fine. So, <laughs> You're like, oh, you know. great. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I'm just washing the dishes. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was cool. It was a, really fun kind of chaotic way to get thrown into this and uh you know i worked at a few places after that i worked at double t's no way yeah, i was a server the there smokehouse. for a while yeah that was in carry town uh, right? yeah yeah i remember that place yeah yeah we're uh we're citizen is now yeah so. across from the bird yep yep so i worked there 
Um, I worked at the European market in Delhi for a while. Sure, that's a character. Yeah, that was a uh, yeah. Jason Lucy was the chef at the time, mm-hmm. and Andy Hannes uh, was also yeah. working there. And Andy and I grew up together. We went to high school together. So Andy is pretty much the face of Potter's, Potter's yeah. Craft mm-hmm. Cider, just to give you some connections there. Yeah, and we went to high school together, and uh, and and we moved up here at the time. Actually, when my freshman year at VCU, Andy lived uh, in my dorm basically like in a sleeping bag for the first like six months he was in Richmond. I can totally see that with Andy. (laughs) Super knowledgeable about cider, loves a sleeping bag. Was he a student or just? No, uh, no, no, he just wanted to move to Richmond. Was he in your room with a sleeping bag? Yeah, he was in my, yeah, so he stayed in our room, uh, basically just kind of crashed there for for a while. How'd your roommate feel about that? Uh, Not great, but (laughs) but he also knew him. Like we we all knew each other from like Where are you guys from? Uh, Chesapeake from Deep Creek. Gotcha. Yeah. They so. all live in one house in Tennessee. <laughs> That's so how that happened. Everybody, everybody in Deep Creek was, lives in one communal, <laughs> one huge spot, tenant, you know, <laughs> tenement. Uh, but yeah, we, yeah. So I don't know. I, I was uh, from there. From there, I, I was going to VCU for fashion merchandising. So that was what I wanted to do. So it was you know at the time restaurants were like a stopgap kind of thing. I needed a job. Uh, you could I, walk to Mama Zoo's probably. Could, well, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think I rode my bike most days, but yeah, I, I, I would walk or ride my bike there. And, you know, same thing with at, everywhere that I worked there. Um, so I did that for a while. And then I eventually moved uh, back to the beach area uh, for a job. And I got into retail, as most people do with that degree. And, uh, and, and, Managed, uh, uh, worked uh, for Up Against the Wall for a long time, which is a clothing company, and uh, it's now out of business, but based out of DC. So, worked for them. Ended up moving back to Richmond to run. There was a store at VCC um, at Virginia Center Commons there. Rip VCC. That, yeah, the, you know, I know. That's, I, went, I actually went there the other day, and it's like the state they're of gonna, malls are it's scary. So sad, they're going to build yeah. a, a aquatic center. They gym, are. Really? Some yeah. kind of arena there. Henrico Some major is, yeah, arena. It's all mm-hmm. coming down. It needs soon. something because yeah. it's like a uh, feels like you're walking through like a horror. It's like movie the walking now. dead. Yeah, 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 exactly. Totally. Uh, so yeah, so I did that for a long time and uh, moved to, um, with them, I ended up moving to LA um, and ran. I was a district manager for them for for a while out there and ran a couple stores. That's a little different than Chesapeake. Totally. What was yeah. what was Los Angeles like living in? Great. Um, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, about Los Angeles. About Los Angeles. Yeah. Other than the entire city is pretty yeah. much. <laughs> right. There's yeah. not. You can't. There Dear can't. Mom, be, it's yeah. Yeah. To this beautiful new city. <laughs> I'm really not sure what it is, but it. I believe it's on the west coast. Yeah. So <laughs> I didn't know much about the area, and and so and the company uh, was really great, and you know helped me move out there. And one of the stores that I ever saw was actually in the valley. Uh, so that's where they got, they got me in a, they set me up in a, with an apartment there. So they moved me to the Valley, but my main store that I was based out of was at the Beverly center, which is in like downtown, like, you know, Melrose kind of area Sure. and celebrity sightings galore. Oh, totally. So that was my main base. But so I, I just remember my, this is like kind of sums up LA for me in a, in a heartbeat is like, I want to be early for my first day. I'm going to meet all these store managers for my stores and everything. And, uh, so I'm like, I'm going to get there extra early. So I wake up two hours or g- get on the road two hours before I'm supposed to be there. You know, it's 13 miles from where I live to the Beverly Center. And I was late because, you know, you get on the interstate. It's basically like going from here to Shore Pump sure. right. and taking two and a half hours to get there. And and that was just like a that normal was a, day. That was that Tuesday. Was, that was a crash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was a crash course on the next like year and a half of my life there. Ah. So. 
Let's talk about some of the celebrities that walked into your store. <laughs> yeah. Scott loves a celebrity sighting, yeah. and he all wants right. to know where I you shook hands. He yeah. wants to know if, um, you, if you held any babies. He wants to know all the things. Alice Cooper bought weird plaid golf pants for me. He's, he's a, a golfer. He's yeah. a big he's golfer. A golfer. Yeah, he was super nice. Uh, Randy Jackson, I remember at the time, American Idol was very new. He walked around the store. You say a lot of things, dog. Oh, yeah. He walked around the store. This is a tiny store, uh, by the way, too, at the Beverly Center. Um, you know, maybe like... 800 square feet or something very small uh walked around the store for maybe like an hour and a half just like i i swear he was just like hoping people would recognize him oh, and Lord. he was really cool about it where when he people did you know he would like you know take pictures he was recording like people's voicemails and stuff uh he came in a fairly regularly um the only weird thing i think i ever did there was i usually you know you'd see people all day and you're like oh you know, there's that person, there's right. so-and-so, that's cool. Uh, I saw Steve Carell walking past, and I was like, I am still am like a huge fan, and you know, like 40-Year-Old Virgin had just come out at that point. I would have been so amped. And I was I like- I probably would have tackled and him. Somebody, w- somebody knew that I was, a f- I guess, a fan who was working in the store, and was like, hey, Steve Carell just walked by. I was like, no way. And so I, you know, walked out, and I saw him, we were right by the, uh, uh, Saks was, was the closest anchor to us, and he was walking in there. And I was like, oh man, I should go and- say what's up to him and uh i ended up just like weirdly following him for about 10 minutes oh lord because i'm like i it was in my mind i was like i really just want to say hey but then it just got weird and then he (laughs) finally recognized me and like kind of like gave me a look and it was like okay this is over so i had to go up and you know and he was very like i've been following you for the last 10 minutes and your choice in retail stores are terrible i explained my story that you know i was a you know a, a store manager from from virginia and this isn't a thing i got used to stalker (laughs) you know this wasn't something we were used to uh and and you know he gave us a great story about when he first moved to la from chicago and saw charlton heston walking down the street and he was like oh my god you know so it it was very nice you had a whole conversation i had a whole conversation it was great it was was nice were you in richmond when he was here filming uh evan almighty i think so yeah yeah mid-2000s yeah it would have been i would have probably have just moved back but what, what if he was following you around Shore Pump Mall? That would have been, that would been awesome. Been awesome. Right? There's that guy from the Beverly Center. Yeah, I would have loved that. He was behind me for 10 minutes. Turnabout's fair play. But yeah, I don't know. I guess like, you know, so I did this for years and eventually the company got sold and I didn't, I, it didn't really jive as much with the new ownership group. And so I kind of got disillusioned with this whole thing that I thought I really wanted to do. And so I took some, you know, I, I ended up leaving the company and, uh, then was on this like weird path of working all kinds of jobs after that. And I, I sold cell phones for a long time. And that's actually how I met Audie, my wife, Audie, uh, who Roby knows. They used to work together. At Roby knows everybody. Yeah, Roby knows everybody. Yeah. Look, shout out to Audie. Yeah. who was like, uh, we work together. I still work at anthropology. She has moved on because she has a life, but, um, yeah, together, me and Audie. We'll yeah. be an Audi. Just, it's like a just doing our 80s thing. sitcom. With, yeah, with overpriced jeans. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I, I yeah, I, you know. So, I, I try to take things, I guess, away from all these different things. And it, it at the meantime, it, while, while I was working, while I was doing that, after I'd met Audi, she worked for Anthropology. She had gotten a big opportunity to go run their flagship store, uh, their like original store in uh, in Wayne. Pennsylvania, which is like outside of Philly. And so we, we moved up there together and kind of around that time, uh, is when I, I had started getting really into beer 
um, a couple years before that here in Richmond, you know, was, you know, I was going to Mekong all the time and, and Andy was, you know, Andy was super into beer at the time and he was kind of getting me more and more involved in that stuff. And then I moved up there and Philly's this like beer town, you know, it's, sure. it's really, it's really, and so that was very exciting. So I really started to dive headfirst into that. And while I was there, I started thinking more and more about what do I want to do? You know, I'm, you know, I, I I'd like to figure something out, you know, it's like, I'm not sure if I want to do retail again. And I don't, I don't know what's going to make me happy. And we were going to all these bars all the time. And, and I was like, I could do this. This could be fun. You know? Uh, it's like, I used to do this kind of not to this, to this extent or, you know, and so just kind of, that was my first like dive deep into, you know, trying to figure out what it was that I wanted. And, and usually like once I get into something, I kind of get obsessed about it and really want to, be the best at it. So that was kind of in the back of my mind as we were moving back here was, you know, I kept just, I just started telling people I'm going to open a, I think at the time I was telling everybody I was going to open up like a brew pub. I was like, I was like, we're going to make beer here and we're going to, it's going to be, we're going to have food and all that stuff. And, uh, revolutionary at the time. <laughs> yeah, I guess. In so. Richmond for sure. Yeah. I mean, when we moved back, it was the year that the Roosevelt, the Roosevelt had just opened and um, and and I guess Heritage had 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 just opened probably a little bit before that, and uh, you know Acacia had been open and Comfort had been open before we had moved to Pennsylvania. But that was kind of it, I think, as far as you know these like chef-driven places that were really, I think, trying to push what people were doing. Uh, so when we moved back, it was really exciting. It was like, wow, look at all these different places. What did bring you back? Um, we just uh, Audie's sister had uh, had her first baby and they're, they're, her family is super close and I think she just really missed home. Sure. And so it was, you know, she wanted to be there with her sister. So we, we moved back primarily for that. And, um, you know, and, and we loved Philly, uh, but it just, it didn't feel like home, you know? And, and even though I'm not from here, I lived here off and on now for like 15 years right. and keep, and I've moved back, I think I'm at four or five times now. So, and, the, and that's, this last time was like, I think this is where I want to be. So, and we haven't, we haven't left since obviously, but, um, yeah. So we, yeah, we moved back and it was, it was really exciting to see, but it started to feel like maybe this is the right time. And around that time, um, I'm, uh, my buddy, Chris Elford, who, uh, helped open Cezanne. How did you guys meet? We know each other from Virginia beach from like way back in okay. the day. Yeah. So we, you know, just through like, bands and that similar kind of like music scenes sure. had kind of crossed paths and known each other for, for a while. And Jay Bear also, you guys all knew each other for a I while? I didn't know Jay. Okay. I met Jay at Cezanne. So okay. Chris was, Chris had, was like, Hey, I'm moving back and I'm helping open this place called Cezanne. It's like going to be like a beer bar and Chris is doing cocktails. You know, at the time he, he, he left, uh, Richmond to move to New York and really try to deep dive into, you know, this, you know, craft cocktail, cocktail revolution, culture, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, and he worked at some great places up there and opened some stuff, helped open some stuff up there and then was coming back. And so that was exciting. And that was at the time I was really into beer, but cocktails, I mean, I, you know, I was like a gin and tonic guy and I still am, but who uh, isn't a gin and tonic I guy? I, I, I mean, don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's like uh, ridiculous that yeah. you had to say that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I was, 
I was like, that's cool. You know, I don't know necessarily anything about that, but I'm really excited to see what you guys are doing with beer. And so, I, so the two original owners of Saison yeah. were Chris Elford and Jay Beer, just for people who don't know. No, so Chris is never a partner. He's never was a partner. No, it was it Adam was and just Jay. Adam and Jay. Yep, Adam and Jay. Gosh, and Adam's going to shoot me because he has <laughs> sent me so many emails about how yeah. he needs me to know yeah. that he's. While he is the chef, yeah. he also is an owner. Yeah. So say that again for everybody who's so listening. It's Adam Hall and Jay Bear are the owners of of Cezanne. Uh, yeah. I'm going to get an email. <laughs> and I get so, no more chicken wings. It's fine, you can edit all this out. <laughs> no, that's staying in for sure. For sure. So, oh, he wants me to get the email. So, uh, so yeah. So you know, Chris, uh, I, I went to go see what Chris was up to, and kind of fell in love with it, and became like the like five day a week regular there, you know, I uh, was going like right at five o'clock. The every best day. kind of regular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like there right at five and, and you know, it was the early days there and, and I met, I met Jay and, and so Jay and I had started going out to get beers and just like, you know, shoot the shit and there you go. That's my first one. Sorry. Uh, well, I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. With yeah. Jay, is you <laughs> shoot the shit. So right. I don't, I mean, uh, and so, you know, we went out and, um, and, and we started just kind of, you know, he's talking about their plans and everything like that. And, uh, you know, and I, I had made mention of things like, you know, I wanted to do something at some point and was really interested in getting more involved in the industry. And he had started talking about how they were looking at opening a market in the space next door. And I was like, well, I just happen to have tons of retail experiences. Like I don't have as nearly as much restaurant experience as right. you guys, obviously this is not my forte, but I, I know a thing or two about setting up a retail environment and, you know, and, and uh, and a culture for that, and running something like that, and so we started talking about that. And I I, I uh, quit my job at the time and came on to help them open the market, which ended up taking, uh, as everybody knows, it takes forever to open anything. It, it, you tell somebody a year, and it's a year and a half, right? You know, at least so, if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah if you're lucky. So um, in the meantime, I was like, ah, so I started I started serving there, um, and but meanwhile, I was also like really falling, starting to fall in love with cocktails and spirits and learning everything there was to know about that. And so I just, I, you know, I started, I, I also am a, a, a habitual, like kind of line crosser with like, I'll just ask a question. I, I spent a lot of time in like a hundred percent commission sales. So it's like the only thing you basically like the worst somebody could tell you is no. So I'm always just going to put myself out there and say, Hey, let me do this until somebody tells me no. And so I started you know, being like, I wasn't a bartender there, and but I was like, hey, uh, you know, they pitch cocktails for the new menus, and then everybody kind of critiques them, and they decide what goes on the menu. And I was like, hey, I have a cocktail to pitch. I have cocktails to pitch, and they're like, sure. So I started pitching cocktails. Gin and tonic. It's going <laughs> to be great. Yeah, well, they have a killer have gin and tonic of there. This little it's thing. Be a lime yeah. wedge yeah. <laughs> on the rim. So I started pitching Ooh, cocktails, no. and uh, eventually we 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 got the market open. So I transitioned over there. Um, so what is it? What did you bring to that market? Like, obviously, it's a highly, highly successful market. What, um, what was the James like the, touch? I guess like the man. It's that's a good question. I don't know. Everything. Every, everything. That's what you no. say. You no. say I brought everything no to way. that market, well, just I mean, not the chicken sandwich because that's Adam. Adam, one yeah, more tidbit for you. Yeah. So I, don't. I, I mean, at the time, I was uh, you know buying the beer buying the wine. Oh, so I think Sarah and I at the time were, were, were buying all the wine. Um, and, but I helped set up the, the coffee program there. Um, and you know, did all the initial hiring and kind of tried to help 
establish the culture there, you know, uh, that we wanted it to be more of a, like a hangout. It wasn't so much, we quickly realized too, that people wanted to drink there. And so like dive deep on that. And, you know, like I was like, well, let's get a frozen drink machine. Cause that's fun. Cause who doesn't want frozen Negronis in the summertime? And so I, what was yeah. the difference between people drinking at the restaurant and the market? Like, how would you, split uh, that I, I culture? wanted it to be, I, I think the biggest thing that I think is important for everybody to think about, um, is, you know, at the time, I mean, and it still is, you know, Cezanne is a neighborhood spot, but it also, you know, not everybody in that neighborhood, I think, can probably afford to go there every single day. And so the market was a great opportunity to have a spot that if you wanted to go to every single day, it's why, you know, it's still, I, know, I think to this day, you know, you can pull a bottle of retail wine off the shelf, you can open it there and drink it there. There's no corkage, you know, there's, there's nothing like that. So it's, it's, it, you know, what would be a, you know, $50 bottle of wine in the restaurant could be a $15 bottle of wine over on the market side. So you're getting a similar experience, but, uh, you, it, it's, it's similar experience, but at, at a, at a different price point, basically. And that's it's more do it yourself. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think to create your own ride sure. with like, I think I thought of you guys were right in the spot when, and it still is, but uh, the beer, and I'm going to call it geekiness because I very yeah. much am a beer geek, sure. so I totally love that word. But like you guys really landed right in that spot oh, yeah. where it was accessible enough to be a beer geek and yeah. we could go just, I mean, gross each other out over, you know, a sour beer, which yeah. I love a sour beer, but a lot of people think, you know, wild or just get really, really berserk about Brett. Sure. I mean, like just yeah. very much talk about wild yeast. And that was a spot. Yeah, Absolutely. That that was really happening. Yeah, I mean, and you could you'd have an Andy Hanna sighting, and he'd yeah. be rolling through there with his two hot owners, and so of course that was good for me. <laughs> the pot. The two I potters. have no idea what you're talking about. He does. Yeah. He does. The two individuals that own potters yeah. are not a terrible looking humans. <laughs> they are. Neither is Andy. Sorry, Andy, yeah. but like no. So like, there is just a place that you could. Yeah. I, yeah. And you know, I think it's we we definitely wanted it to be yeah you know a place that was felt like a neighborhood spot that was super accessible to everybody, you know, and, you know, there was food there, you know, there was, you know, great beer and wine. And, and how everything. long did it take into the process for you, for you guys to say, we have something here? Um, probably, I think we realized we, sh we started shifting more away from being more of a, less of a market and more of like a place to like hang out and drink probably within the first year. It was pretty evident, I think, pretty pretty, uh, pretty upfront there, so. Was that surprising to you as a, with your background and your experience? No, because as I've started to kind of realize being in the restaurant more, it was like, this is what people want and this is what people come to us for is to, to drink, you know? So I think, I think you know, when, when we, you know, that it, and then it's, you know, I think it's just about being able to recognize that. And then I think it's super important to like let your guests kind of dictate to some extent what you ultimately are going to be like meet those expectations for them. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, I, we did that and, and I loved it. It was a great, it was a great opportunity. I mean, it's kind of insane for sometimes I think about it for like Jay and Adam to put that trust in me and just let me do it and just roll with it. But again, it's like, I'm glad they did. And so it, you know, it, it I use that as my, you know, a, in a way like a testing ground or a place to, 
really start like to think your about beta from yeah, Brenner. Sure. Right? To start to start thinking about what I what I would want to do if I had that opportunity for myself, and then you know trying to figure out how I was going to get that opportunity. Um, so how did that work? Did you just bro out with Brittany and Olivia, and mm-hmm. it's like they're like, "Hey, do you want to?" So we uh, so yeah. So I was living at Churchill at the time, um, and. So my regular spot there was the Roosevelt. I, I'm I've known Brandon forever, uh, and that's Brandon Peck. Brandon Peck, yeah, who's at the Jasper now. Uh, so Brandon and I had known each other for a long time, and so I used to go and I that when once I was working at Saison, that couldn't be the place that I was. I was already hanging out there five six days a week, but I you know you don't want to live there, so I had to go somewhere else on my way home, and the Roosevelt <laughs> was that spot. And so I was at the Roosevelt all the time. And they're pretty educational, so I yeah. imagine that that was a great spot for you to continue your drinking exactly. education. Right, which is a part of, you know, <laughs> part of this. Drinking education, I totally. like Totally, yeah. I mean, this is, that's a big part of it for sure. me. Yeah, I mean, I travel all the time with, you know, and, and with the expressed intent of going places. It's fun, but it's also like I'm going there to, to see what other people are doing and, and taste as many things as I can. So, you know, the Roosevelt was like my like last call spot, and... Brittany was Brittany had just moved back from New York around that time, and Chell was there. I met Chell and Brittany through the Roosevelt, and uh, and we became friends. I think I I actually became friends with Chell I think first because he was behind the bar, and so when Brittany would get off, she'd come and you know sit at the bar, and we we became friends, started hanging out, um, and and then yeah, so Metzger opened, and I actually was working there one night a week when they first opened to kind of help. Uh, you know, staff help them have a full staff and, sure. you know, and, and, and someone they could, I guess, trust on like Friday nights. I worked there. So I was at Saison all week and then would work there too. And it was crazy, but it was fun. It was awesome. Uh, and so I've, and you know, Metzger was awesome and became a regular there too. And we just continued this on and, and Brittany was approached, um, by the developers of the symbol building that were in, uh, they wanted, uh, an anchor, you know, something to go in there, but you know, a big, awesome restaurant uh to you know kind of draw people into that to that space and she you know uh the part she and her partners from Metzger Brad and Nathan uh wanted to bring on another partner so they reached out to me and uh and and that was kind of that was kind of the rest of it yeah we so I mean it, it was you know it was it was a sounds very serendipitous but it, it was it was it was I was I was you know it was there were there weren't really wasn't anyone else that I probably would have rather worked with at the time than Brittany in town. You know, I, I loved her, her work. It was like once for Metzger for me, it felt, you know, very much like a restaurant that the city hadn't seen yet. And, you know, was doing food that I was to at a level, uh, that I would, I was seeing, you know, in New York all the time or, you know, Seattle or anywhere I was traveling, you know, uh, during those years. And, and it just felt, it felt like a place that, it looked like a place in Richmond, you know, it, you know, it, you know, the, the like corner row house kind of vibe that, you know, a lot of the great restaurants in the city end up in just because of what we have here to work with. But, you know, what, what she was putting out was so cool. So that was a, yeah, that was a really, I hadn't actually really thought about this day in a long time. It was kind of like, I'm feeling a little of a clump right now. So no, Aww, <laughs> no, yeah. no it's cool. How sweet is that? It's really, it was really cool. It was like a really, I remember. It changed I remember, your life. Yeah, it did. Totally. I, I remember telling, uh, like, you know, giving Audie uh, a call and being like, holy shit. Like, you're not going to believe what, because, uh, you know, they called me in for like a meeting and I was like, I don't know what they were 
thinking maybe they were going to see if I wanted to move over to Metzger or something. They were going to switch stuff up there, what the deal was. But yeah, so I was, yeah, it was, it was kind of like, in a, it was like, obviously like I needed to go and think about this and try to figure it out, but it was definitely an immediate yes for me. So, so you go home and you're like, odd. Yeah. I'm going to stop beverage directing at Cezanne and probably not going to work at Metzger on Fridays. Yeah. Now I'm going to spend another year and a half yeah. opening a restaurant. Sure. This is the first one I've opened. Yeah. And what does Audie say, your wife? Um, I mean, she was definitely, she, I mean, she was really excited. She was super supportive. Um, we were missing a little portion there because there was something else that like kind of huge happened yeah. in the middle. We, this is how well I know his family. Say, yeah. Yeah. Filling in the gaps on his yeah. life. So yeah, we, uh, so we found out, so Brenner of course took forever to open, uh, it, you know, it's just a brand new construction. So we, you know, we, this had been in planning forever. I got, we got married in October of 2016, uh, Brenner opened in June of 2017, but in February of 2017, we found out that we were going to have our first child. So, uh, yeah, we were like, I, at that point in February, uh, you know, we were, we were all pulling our hairs out, trying to get, we thought we were going to be open in December for Brenner, you know, it was that kind of a thing. So we were all like, just pulling our hair out, like super stressed out every day. I feel like just Leading add a baby to, to the mix. Yeah, so it's I like, mean, sure, let's might as just well go ahead and do that. So yeah, we knocked had, it all out at once. We had a baby, yeah, four months. Uh, it's October, so yeah, like four or five months after Brenner opened. And you weren't sleeping anyway, so no, it was doesn't fine. Matter, really, <laughs> it was fine. I, I just started to tell you, you know, it's like you know, you just kind of tell people, like, I'm just going to do like the two biggest things in my life in the same year. It's fine. We'll just get it out of the way. Knock it out. It's fine. I'm sure it's, it's all. Fine. I'm sure you, you remember those days very clearly now. I'm sure it's all just like coming back to you. Oh, pinpoint yeah. crystal. Clear. That's why you have yes. Roby here oh, to sure. fill in the gaps for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, yes, that was a insane trial by fire first year for sure. Um, you know, and I think we're still just kind of figuring it out, but I think we're we're feeling good now. You know, I mean, uh, I think we've we've got the. I finally, I was going to say like, this is, I, I kind of went into hiding. I feel like for a while, for like a year and a half or so, right after the baby was born. Cause I, you know, it was, it, it was a little over, you know, it's very overwhelming, you know, trying to figure out how to be a dad and, uh, juggle know, a, a business, a which good is- partner and be a good partner mm-hmm. to my, my business partners too. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a huge, huge learning curve, but I think that I'm feeling good about it. So he has a, uh, we'll, we'll walk through the restaurant thing because yeah. Brenner Pass it, is a huge anchor there in Scott's edition yeah. and I think um, certainly helped navigate some of the waters for some of the other restaurants that have recently opened. Yeah. What have you seen change in that area being that you guys were not pioneers but certainly part of the pioneering? And um, I think the the biggest thing that is surprising to me is the 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 state of it, it with how many people are living there now, and the fact that it's starting to feel like a walking neighborhood? Um, you know, that it's just bizarre to think about. You know, if I think back to when I moved back here, um, Scott's Edition at that point was you know it was either you know uh, empty warehouses or warehouses where people were still using them for warehousing things and sure, you know, manufacturing. Yeah, you know, uh, not what it is today. So uh, to think of it as, is like this 
an actual neighborhood now is uh, is probably the biggest thing. You know, see families walking down the street on like a Saturday morning or whatever. It's just like that. That's probably that's probably the the biggest difference um, for me is that yeah, it's not just a it's not just like you know, and then it, it you know transitioned from there into like this is where the breweries were, you know. So and then so you know it's it's different. It's empty during the week and during the day, uh, and then on the weekends like Friday and Saturday it's nuts and Sunday. Um, so it's slowly becoming more and more less of that and more of you know just this is just where you know I think I think the next step would be more retail over there and, and then, sidewalks. Yeah, sidewalks would be great. <laughs> just yeah. a couple. Yeah, just here and there. It's like you're walking S- and all of a sudden maybe you're in some mud. parking. Yeah, sidewalks and and maybe street lights, uh, street lights yeah. and 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 speed bumps or why you know, would you need basics. any <laughs> of those things? Yeah. Fine dining, I mean, no sidewalks. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, Welcome no. to Richmond. It's all auxiliary. Yeah. That's so, just what, fine dining. What does a partner in a restaurant do? Uh, I, that's a that's a great question. Um. I guess it sounds important. Whatever, whatever is asked of them, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, it's, you know, there's, we, we have everything kind of, uh, you know, compartmentalized that, you know, like each of us take care of our specific tasks and that's kind of what we bring to it. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately, yeah, I mean, it's really whatever is, is asked. So for our listeners who don't know you, yeah. uh, what is your task? So my title is the beverage director. My title. Yeah. <laughs> my title is the beverage director, um, which, you know, I mean, that's more, that's more like the fun part where, you know, I get to help with menu creation and, and kind of curate things there. But I mean, uh, for the most part, uh, four nights a week, I'm, I'm the, you know, manager on do the, you know, the front of the house manager there. I, I do all the scheduling. I, um, do payroll stuff and, uh, you know, just handle kind of general front of house end HR kind of stuff. And then also do the beer, beer buying and all that good stuff. And, um, and then work with, uh, Shannon hood, who's our, our bar manager, work with her on the menu creation for the cocktails and along with our bar team. So that's the, Primarily, I'm I'm there as like a, the go-to for the front of the house for you know any sort of needs that they have. That's that's probably my primary day-to-day thing. So. Are you ever washing the dishes again, or is that have those <laughs> I, days gone by? I've helped do that, but yeah, and I would totally yeah. So dishwashers are uh, uh, probably the rarest commodity in the Richmond dining uh, scene right now. So it's the dining unicorn, like it really is a great dishwasher. You hold on to them for dear life and tell them how much you love them every day. So. What um, makes for a good a great dishwasher? Um, showing up, I think, is yeah. probably okay. the biggest thing. It's like yeah. almost ninety five percent of the yeah. job is yeah. getting there. Is getting there, mm-hmm. yeah. So, because uh, you don't really think. I mean, like I find it. I'd wash dishes in a restaurant for my mother for years, but I find it to be very therapeutic yeah. because you can come in head down. Sure. I mean, I had headset in, so I just kind of <laughs> yeah, tuned right. everybody. Madonna. Came into Madonna, Janet Jackson. 100% Madonna, yes. Who else do you dishwash to? (laughs) Whitney Houston and Madonna. Yeah. Totally. Scrunchy in your hair. Yes, yes. Neon, uh, like You don't wear your hair down to wash dishes. Scott clearly has (laughs) never washed a dish. I'm painting a picture here. I'm painting a picture. All those things, plus waterproof shoes. Yeah. I keep going back to different jobs that I've had in the past. And when, when I was doing this like hundred percent commission sales thing, you know, it was all about creating customers for life. That was my goal was, you know, I was your personal wireless representative, you know, I, everybody left with my cell phone number, you know, and it still does. My business card has my cell phone number on it for Brenner. Um, 
you know, because I do want people to know it's like if you, if they're, if they have an issue, if they have a problem, that's my cell. It's just call me, text me, whatever if you're comfortable with, that's fine. We'll work it out. We'll figure it out. Um, and I think that that's something that I tried to take away away from that and, and, you know, think about in, in this industry, cause I think it is true. I mean, we need customers for life. We have one regular who's, who we, we, I, we track things of course, sure. uh, through our, through our reservation system. We have a regular who's been with us now 30 times. It's incredible. Dying with us 30 times in the last, you know, two and a half years. So we're doing something right. Uh, and so it's just finding more people like that person who want to come and, and, and spend time with us, which I mean, I bet you great. know that regular's name. So oh, we yeah. might as well say it. Yeah. Her name's Susan McGee. She's awesome. So. Susan yeah. 30 times. I think that's yeah. like worth a, a little anniversary cake or yeah, something. Absolutely. Is she ordering the same thing every time? Or is she, uh, she has a, Poor she Susan, has, we're, we're spilling her business. <laughs> on her. Like, we love uh, you, Susan. Uh, Susan, we love you. Yeah. We love a third. I love a regular. Yeah. Susan, uh, once, uh, would like grant or Cindy, uh, to wait on her, uh, and which, it is is awesome. They're two of my favorites, and has a pretty regular order. So, right. but yeah, but also we usually listen to uh, Grant's suggestions on things. So, yeah. yeah, Grant. Well, Grant, you need a, to bring her a cake next yeah. time because thirty times in two and a half years is a brilliant record. Yeah, and it's great. All Richmond diners could yeah. be like Susan. We'd have a lot less of what we're hearing lately. Yeah, because um, I mean, we have you know, and that's the thing. I think we have a lot of. The city does have a lot of really great guests who come and support what we're trying to do all the time, you know, and do that not just with us, but, you know, everybody who, who's trying to push things in town. Uh, but, yeah, I think that, yeah, there's just, I don't know if there's just not enough of that or, or what, but. Well, I do love that you um, just went through the whole accessibility thing. I think that's really important because connection is key. And if yeah. you connect with the individuals that are standing in front of you providing a service or vice versa, if you connect to somebody who's wanting part of your service, I think that brings a whole lot to the table. Literally, food and figuratively. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else you got, Scott? I was going to ask about chairlift. Sure. Oh, <laughs> you were. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, did I take your question? No, I like it. <laughs> All right. Because always with the coffee for Scott. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm a coffee guy. Um, tell me about the timeline from Brenner to chairlift. Yeah. It didn't so open simultaneously, it right? It did not open simultaneously. We, we did sign. So we signed the lease for uh, Brenner first. And um, we had there was the space next door. And, and somewhere along the line uh, of... of you know, early on when we were, you know, just get in, still in the planning phase, we had signed at least a letter of intent for, for Brenner. Um, the owners had, of the building had come to us and said, Hey, we're talking to like maybe another restaurant for this space next door. And it was, that's not going like, to work. And it was kind of just like, you know, don't do that. Duh. You know, it's like, <laughs> man, we haven't even gotten open yet. And now we're Pump the brakes. potentially <laughs> going to be competing with somebody literally next door. And so, you know, a, Again, or uh, we can make you this incredible offer, right? I, We'd you like know, to have cheese and coffee in there. Thank I, you. I, I definitely pitched to 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 Bertie, Nathan, and Brad, and said, "Hey, you know, I've kind of done something similar to this before. Um, you know, coffee's great. There's nothing really over in the neighborhood. There's the the Lamplighter there have their roasting facility right sure. there. Um, but that was that was it at the time. And there's going to be, you know." 450 units of apartments across our parking Walkable, lot right. and, you know, three floors of businesses, you know, like let's give them an, an, you know, an, an excuse to 
like they literally have to walk past us to get coffee somewhere else. So let's, you know, let's, let's, let's go with that. So yeah, we, we ended up signing the lease shortly after that. And then as we're just going through the natural progression of things, trying to get open, you know, it's like we had to, we couldn't do them both at the same time. So we said, Hey, let's obviously focus on getting Brenner open first and then show up shortly followed after. So, yeah. So the strategy for the Saison and Saison's market are a little yeah. different than, yeah. I mean, it's the same general idea, but same general idea, but creating. yeah, we definitely wanted, uh, we wanted it to be a morning, you know, we, we don't, we're not open past six o'clock. We want it to be like early until, you know, basically people are closing up shop and going home for the day. So that was, you know, we wanted it to be more of, you know, pastry, you know, grab and go, grab and go pastry focused with coffee. And, you know, it's like, and then of course in that space, you know, if I have the room, why not sell booze too? Cause you know, we already established that people like to drink. People like to drink, yeah. so let's just give them what they want. So, you know, we have those. <laughs> I need a package store on my way home. What yeah. am I, I got to walk right. by you. I can pick up a bottle of wine. Exactly. So we have the opportunity for people to do that too, but it, it wasn't so much. We weren't trying to look at it as, uh, you know, we have a 100-seat restaurant. Let's make sure we fill that up first. You want to cannibalize <laughs> on what's going on there already. Yeah, sure. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we want it to be a totally different thing, and I think it's really it's, – it's great. It's really turned into this whole other – animal that you know it it's been at a slower pace but now it's steady and still we're still seeing growth there um and we see the same people every day you know we have regulars who come in every day and you know and that's that's awesome you know so it's like a true you know coffee house kind of vibe in there now so um which is which is which is great it kind of does bang and soup yeah Yeah. i'm in there you are, I, you're yeah, a regular? I, I don't know if you'd call me a regular, <laughs> but I, I'm definitely, definitely in there. definitely wouldn't call you a regular. Yeah. I mean, I like the tea yeah. that you guys have. I think you tea. have some great yeah. selections yeah. there, and that's a big deal for me. So, yeah. Well, you're listening to Roby and Scott and James Kohler of Brenner Pass and Chairlift on Eat It, Virginia. Uh, the last thing I'm going to talk to you about is how is your, are, how is your eating habits right now? <laughs> That's the last thing you want to talk to me about? Yeah, I feel like I need to talk to you about vegetables. Okay. I've, I've, uh, I've ordered a lot of Sukasa burritos and have them in my freezer. No free plugs, no. although I paid for them. Yes, you did, but I'm sure. But you have not eaten them? But oh, no, they're them? gone. Oh, okay. They're gone. I've and your favorite flavor? Uh, the frizz, not chorizo, but it's like frizzo. It's like a freezer and chorizo combined. Frizzo. Frizzo. There you go. It's like a, a superhero or a... So mastermind enemy superhero it's delish it was great it was great and you know the, they cost three dollars four dollars a pop which is great they deliver right to your door with a nice note the packaging is beautiful the food is good you know it's good job jim hamilton and the folks over at sukasa you love a f- food delivery with a side of sensitivity scott love I mean, it. it's good. in humor it's like it's funny yeah it's it, it actually is funny so no hungry harvest yet not yet. No, I'm waiting to see if I win the uh, the contest we have going on our YouTube page. So how do you do that? Well, we have a new YouTube page, Eat It Virginia. If you go to our new YouTube page and hit subscribe. Which is where is that button if somebody wants to know? Well, it depends on what your what kind of device. If you're on your phone. If, you're the director should... of interactive media over at CBS 6. Can't you tell me well, how to do that? I'll tell you after the podcast. Nope, I need to know. There's a big button that says subscribe on our page. It should be really easy to find. Is it it's big? Shannon found it. <laughs> Shannon Shannon's so, so maybe we should ask Shannon <laughs> you know where what? to find the subscribe I button. I will ask Shannon. <laughs> okay, good. 
to Shannon right now. She, Shannon could win this Hungry Harvest free giveaway we're doing. I feel like that we now have said that Shannon can win it means Shannon cannot win I'm it. I'm sorry, Shannon. <laughs> I owe you a drink. I owe you some vegetables. Subscribe to our new YouTube page and you'll be entered to win a free delivery from Hungry Harvest, a company that is sponsoring our podcast this month. Well, Scott, anything you're looking forward to? Oh, no, 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 no. I got a real question. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> what do you guys do for Halloween? Saturday night this year, big rocking times in the old neighborhood, the old suburban neighborhood. Are you doing Halloween? Yeah, I think something's going to happen in our neighborhood uh, on Halloween night. I think it's going to be scaled down a lot from what we're used to. I'm not sure if my kids are going to go door to door, to be honest with you. I thought, in fact, my son, whom I love for many reasons, said to me, can you just buy a bunch of candy and we can just sit at home and watch horror movies? That's what he wants oh, to do instead. That's the greatest kid. Yeah, so... I would like to enter something into the Halloween thought process. You would. <laughs> yeah. What Does it make me a good person or a bad person if I think this is an opportunity to buy candy and pelt it at people from long places away? It makes you a terrible person. Why? They, if the, fact that you, the fact that you have to ask why <laughs> makes you an even I'm, more terrible person. I'm getting person. the candy to someone just Social distancing. Have you seen the people that are, um, actually have good ideas and like have like the big, <laughs> the big slot, the big tubes and the slides, and they're sliding? No. Those of you who have never been to the Roby Martin um, palatial estate. No, it is not. No oh one can possibly trick or treat here. Like you, yes, you you're like two acres in the woods. There's a guard dog. I there's agree. a high fence. There's a moat. There is a moat. There is definitely a moat. You've, guys, you've gotten zero trick or treaters in this house. How long have you lived here? I didn't ever want to trick or treat before, but now the idea of pelting candy at someone is a really you, great idea. You can idea. do that any day. I mean, no. honestly, you can do that I any can, day. Sure. All right. For those of you guys that want to, actually, you know what? Don't DM me. I don't want to know if I can throw candy at people. DM Scott, and you can reach him in multiple places, which are eatitvirginia at gmail.com, at eatitvirginia on Instagram, at eatitvirginia on Facebook. And at Scott underscore wise, which is exactly where I'd like you to DM him about me pegging children with candy. <laughs> That's just not a good one. Take that out. <laughs> That's 